Good morning. This is Children's Day. Mike had reminded me of that, and I forgot. I thought you were talking about something different. But we have children with us today, and so we're going to have a little children's sermon. Very short, but I want to come down here and just help if you guys could help me introduce today's message. You want to do that? All right. Yeah, I need, I need some help here. Let me ask you a question. How does it feel to be left out? You know what that is? Bad. When, when, when maybe like two kids are playing and they don't invite you to play with them, how do you feel? Bad. Sad. Um, mad. Yeah, I think we'll go with those three. Bad, sad, and you could be really mad. And it would be understandable. What's it like if you like, you know, you, their kids are playing kickball and they don't, you're, you don't get on the team? You feel left out, you feel bad, you feel sad, you feel mad. Have you ever felt that way? Okay, but you probably felt that way in school sometimes, on the playground, or when your friends are playing in the, uh, you know, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Now we're going to think about being left out in a different way. What about when we leave God out? How do you think he feels when we leave him out of our lives? When we just go about our day and we don't even think about God and don't ask him how we should live and we kind of do our own thing, how do you think God feels? Sad, mad, and bad. I want to tell you, I wish I'd have done this last week because now I have a message way better than what I had planned. I'm serious. Yeah, God is sad. Why would he be sad? Because God loves us, and he gave Jesus so we could live in a relationship with him. And if we don't live in a relationship with him, he's sad, right? And if we don't acknowledge him in our lives, we're, we're sinning, and that means that God, when we say he's mad, it means he, he's mad. Like, like when our, we don't do the right thing, our parents get mad, right? Sometimes they do. If they love us, they're not going to hurt us, but... They get disappointed, they get sad, they get mad and sad. So um, I want us to think about that. Don't leave God out of your lives. What are some ways we can include God in our lives? Think about it. What are some ways we could include God in our lives? Keep thinking about him, keep reading the Bible. Right on. That's right. That's exactly right. And what, do we, and what do we do when we think about him and we want to talk to him? What is that called? Um, praying. Praying, right. Right on. And when we read something in the Bible, I'm telling you, this is great. And when we read something in the Bible, what should we do? Should we just say, that's nice, and close the Bible and walk away? Or should we say, hmm, how can I do this? How can I live by what we see in the Bible, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's meant to be, right? So if Jesus says, love your enemies, what should we do? Love our enemies. Yeah. The Bible doesn't have trick questions. It's really, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's simple. It's not, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? All right, so I want, here's the challenge today. Make sure that you don't leave God out of your lives. Always talk to God every day read the Bible, and learn what he wants you to do and how he wants you to live. 
and that way God won't feel bad, mad, or sad. Amen? Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, I'm embarrassed to do what I was going to do now, in a sense. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead with what I had, because I'm, I'm not quite sharp enough to switch on the spot. But I'll tell you, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And you now know the topic of the message today, if you join me in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Thank you, congregation, for your pastor appreciation gifts. Thank you, preacher. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for your gifts. We really appreciate it. And um, I got a gold bag. Eric got a silver. Let me just say, Eric McCracken takes silver to nobody, right? <laughs> so now he can gripe like Nancy Kerrigan about the silver. <laughs> <laughs> this, the bag color me has no significance but you know I just wanted to make sure in case anyone's thinking that James chapter 4 and we're going to be in verses 13 through 17 this is vital stuff and as often as the case you know I um I was starting to look through this passage and say and what I do when I'm preparing a message is I try to think through everyone that's looking at me now and think through faces and people and say, you know, who might, I'm not preaching to people specifically and picking on them, I'm just thinking what might they be experiencing in life that they need this. And while I'm sure that everybody here needs this, I want to tell you that God had a very clear answer for me today about why I'm in this passage and who needs it. And guess who that is? It's when I looked in the mirror. Okay. So just know that as I'm speaking, it's bouncing off the mirror and back to me. If you overhear it and get something good, that will be a wonderful benefit. <laughs> but I, I think the kids already took care of that matter in preaching to us. Let's read this passage through verse 17. Now listen, you who say, and this is why we talked about Lee being left out, leaving got out. Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. That's what they're saying. It's a board meeting, right? Verse 14. Why? Here's the answer. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, going back to what they said in verse 13, we're going to make our plans, go to this city, that city. As it is, when you're making your plans like they were in verse 13, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Sin for them. Back to verse 13. What's missing? If we could go back. I know. Thank you for your work back there. I used to do that. I understand switching the slides. 
Sometimes they don't act like you want them to, just like all of us, right? Verse 13, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carrying on business and make money. What's wrong with that picture? If you just read that verse, it doesn't sound so bad. We're just doing business. You have to do business? Yes. So what's missing? God is missing. If you read the whole passage, you realize right away that the implication is, here's how I'm going to spend my life. I'm going to go to this city, make money here, carry on business, it's, uh, spend a year there. I'm going to go to college for four years. I'm going to get a job in this sector, and I'm going to work there in, this, in, in a city of this size for five years, and then I'm going to graduate, and I'm going to go to Chicago, and I'm going to work there for 20 years, and then I'm going to retire in Houston, because everyone retires to Houston, right, or North Carolina. Cory, North Carolina, center of relocated Yankees, right? <laughs> um, the problem is they left God out. And so in verse 16, that's what he says. As it is, in other words, where you are here, that's an arrogant scheme because you don't have God in mind. You're planning your own life. Okay, so the first thing you do is put God first in your plans, right? First, put God first in your plans. See, as it is when you say, I'm going to move to Chicago and then retire to Houston, but I haven't asked God about it. I haven't included God. And therefore, it's evil or it's sin. It's an arrogant scheme. Arrogant because it's what I want and I haven't consulted God. And I remember people that would move Remember when I was pastoring in Lynnhurst, Ohio, and there was a family that moved to Solon. Now, anybody live in Solon? Okay, nothing wrong with living in Solon. I know many, many people that live in Solon, and they're wonderful. But in this case, it was all about, for one of the family members, it was all about prestige. Because they lived in South Euclid, and Solon was a step up. And we tried to reason with them because we saw the writing on the wall. But sure enough, left God out, sought glory from others, prestige from others, and the results were not good. It only took a couple of years. The whole thing imploded. It was horrid. And this man had been an elder in the church and a wonderful guy. So, Arrogant schemes, haladzania, vainglory is what it is. Vainglory. So we want to put God first in our plans. James is not, by the way, saying it's wrong to make plans. I mean, in Proverbs it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So the Bible actually supports planning. But, verse 15, as it, uh, here's the, the key. Instead of saying, here's how I'm going to live, you ought to start and say, the first thing I do is say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I want to know what God wants. You know, if, if, when it comes to moving to Solon, for example, from, from South Euclid, is there anything wrong with moving from South Euclid to Solon? No, but in the heart was a motive for prestige. And we need to say, God, is that right? And of course, if someone had prayed sincerely, they would have gotten a no answer because we already know that God doesn't want us to seek worldly, worldly acclaim. He wants, him to, he wants to be first. He doesn't want us to be materialistic. 
whether it's for money, for stuff, or for prestige. And any prestige he does give us, it comes when we humble ourselves, like it says in James 4, before him, and then he lifts us up. And that's true prestige. That lasts forever. Should, does this mean we should walk around saying, if it's the Lord's will? Um, should, when the waitress comes to your table, what would you like? Well, if it's the Lord's will, I'd like the biscuits and gravy. It's probably not his will. <laughs> I just want it to be. <laughs> but is that, I mean, how far should we push this? Well, we know it should be our heart attitude, first of all. And it doesn't hurt to say this. It doesn't hurt to verbalize. Is verbalizing important? Yes, if it's the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will. I want us to think about this. Um, for example, the phrase, if it's the Lord's will. It's a refrain of our hearts, and it can be a refrain of our lips. Look with me on your outline. There's a lot of scripture on your outline. But the reason is I wanted to kind of hammer this home. Let's look at how Jesus handled this issue of his Father's will when he was on earth. Matthew 26, 39 through 42. And I give you these verses in an outline because I want you to have them and remember and go through them later. Going a little further, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. What's the cup? The cross. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus did this. We are just simply following Jesus when we say, Lord, if it's your will, I want to follow your will. I want to do what's right in your eyes. Jesus then taught his disciples. So then when you look and you say, he taught his disciples to pray, this will be familiar to most of us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's like the one of the foundations of our prayers. And then Jesus taught in Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. By the way, the things that James, the, the people in James were talking about, I will do business, I will make money, that's all in what he's talking about. These things, if we seek first God's kingdom and do what he wants us to do and follow the teachings of scripture and are led by the Holy Spirit in life and, and serve the body of Christ in life and represent Jesus and are the light of the world, he will take care of those other things. Amen. Okay, so this, it's the same basic teaching that James has here. Look at the Apostle Paul, just as an example now of how these, for this phrase, the Lord's will and God's will and God's guidance. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul is Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for, Barnab for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So Paul began his ministry because they prayed in the church at Antioch. The Holy Spirit said, send out Barnabas and Paul. Off they went. The rest, as you would say, is very significant, prominent history. Then, in the middle where it says verse 6, that's now chapter 16, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of 
Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's funny. The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the word in Asia. They were following God's will by the leading of the Spirit. How did it happen exactly? We're not exactly sure at that point. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's right down 480. <laughs> Buddy, go to Macedonia. <laughs> After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. You see how they're following God's will? And sometimes God even says, stop in the name of love. Amen. Look at Romans chapter, look at Paul in Romans. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. By God's will, I will come to you at last. In other words, Paul was waiting for what? For God to guide him and tell him, it's now my will for you to go visit the Romans. I'm sure he had a taste for pizza. He wanted to get to Rome, like I would, okay? Next, this is Romans 15. So after I have completed this task, bringing, bringing money that was collected for people that were in need, and I've made sure they've received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. Paul's making plans. Shame on you, Paul. You didn't say if the Lord wills. Well, read on. This is why we know it doesn't always have to be said directly all the time. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I'm going to come when Christ blesses it entirely. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the, our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit, join me in my struggle and praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and your may in your company be refreshed. The peace of God be with you all. Amen. I want to come to visit you. I want to come share with you, but I want it to be with the full blessing of Christ. I'm not making this up, folks. I'm not just doing what I want, Paul says. I'm saying, if the Lord wills, I will go here. If the Lord wills, I will preach here. If the Lord wills, I will go here and minister here and launch a church here. 1 Corinthians 4.19, I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. 16.7, I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. So, Paul really lived by this. Jesus really lived by this. What should we do? by this. Notice Deo Valente. What's Deo Valente? DV. People used to sign their letters like, D, like a DV afterwards when they had, when it said, gonna come and visit you in July, DV. What does that mean? Lord willing, God willing. Deo Valente. I want you to remember that. We're gonna look, what I found is sometimes when you learn a new word, you remember better. 
So remember the word Deo Valente. What does that mean? God willing. It's Latin. So when you get up in the morning, you say, I'm going to go and I'm to Macedonia today. Deo Valente. Next week, I'm going to go visit my sister in Chicago. Deo Valente. If it's the refrain of my heart, as often as it comes out of my lips, all the better. Now, of course, in these parts, I'm assuming like other parts that I know, we, we say something like, look, God willing and the creeks don't rise. We say that here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. All right. So, first of all, put God first in your plans. Start with him. Don't make a plan and say, oh, Lord, please bless this plan. No, it's if, Lord, if it's your will, if it's God's will. And it's primarily, of course, here, it's a sovereign will. It's a moral will. It's saying, do, I, I will do the right thing. I will obey God. This isn't about what toppings I should have on my pizza. This is about whether I will do the right thing or not. Okay? All right. Secondly, put eternity first in your decisions. Put eternity first in your decisions. Verse 16. 14, excuse me. Verse 14, which says, Oh, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, some people say, grab hold of your life. Go for all the gusto you can get. Grab hold and take control. Haven't you tried to grab a mist? What happens? Nothing. You can't grab a mist. It... And if it's steam, that's the mist, you will get burned. And a lot of us going around trying to grab the steam of our lives, saying, I'm going to grab hold, and you come out the end, you've been burned. Anybody testify you've been burned by life because you tried to grab hold of the steam? So don't do it. Put eternity first, not time. Because life is short. A little while then vanishes. Now this sounds kind of sad, but... Life is short. We don't live forever on this earth. We don't have a lot of time. The youngest of us don't have a lot of time in, in comparison to eternity, right? Notice Moses writes in Psalm 90, 12. Mo, this time we have Moses, Jesus, and Paul. <laughs> Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, he's, not, he's saying, keep in mind and make wise decisions based on the fact that we are, have a short life. Don't waste it on things that don't last. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Store up treasures in heaven in eternity 
things that aren't going to be eaten up by moths and by vermin. We just moved last year. There's an awful lot of vermin around that ate an awful lot of stuff that we had stored. Uh, so I have a vivid picture of this. There's another thing that goes out to the junk pile because of mice. We lived right in the middle of a, like a grape grapevines as far as the eye could see. And so you can imagine the vermin, you can imagine the bugs. And these were very hungry mice and chipmunks. So I get this vivid picture, okay? Teach us to number our days, Moses said. And then Paul writes, he says, I, he says so we fix our eyes for 2 Corinthians 4.18 on, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Go for the eternal reward. We look to heaven and we walk, you know, keep our eyes fixed on, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, is despised the shame, is seated at the right hand of God. We live our lives looking toward the finish line where Jesus is and we run toward him. That's how we live our lives. And it's the reward that's not seen. All right. How do we number our days so we can live wisely? And remember, just a chapter back, James was talking about living wisely. This is a part, still a part of that same discussion. Have here a container of marbles, okay? Um, this mar these marbles, because it would, the days would be too many, represent the number of months that I will have left in this life if I live to 77. That's the average. I don't know if I'll make it to 77. I don't know how far I'll go past. My father didn't make it that far. My mother's way past that. So I have no clue <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, but here we go. 216 months I have left if I live to the average. Now, since my birthday was exactly a month ago today, that means I need to take one marble out. And now I have 215 months left. Hmm? Um, you know what this is meant to, meant to picture for you? Well, first of all, that I'm losing my marbles. <laughs> but I need to tell you something you don't know. It means, reminds me that life is like a vapor, a mist. It's short. I just lost another marble. That's not going to help any of us. Remember, number our days. Remember the brevity of life. And live for eternity. So in your decisions, first of all, choose what's going to last forever. Invest in the lives of people and lead them to Jesus before, before taking care of material things, things that bring me prestige, right? Like some people like to say, make Jesus famous. Make him known. And if I choose instead to do things that will make me known, then I'm living for time. If I choose to invest myself in material things instead of people, reaching people for Jesus, I'm wasting my life on junk. 
if I'm doing what the people in this were and they're saying we're going to go do business here and make money here and be here for a month and then I'm going to move to Chicago and then Houston and I don't have God in the mix, that's wasting it. Doesn't matter if I make $10 million. Okay. The last part is put following Jesus first in your priorities. So we are Put God first in your plans. If the Lord wills, I will live this way. The refrain of my heart comes through my lips sometimes and whips itself out in my, in my life. Put eternity first in my decisions. My top priority is to invest my life in the things that last forever. And my third thing is put Jesus, following Jesus first in my priorities. If you look at verse 17 with me. And it's another one of those awkward verses in James. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Why does James say that there? He just told us that we are to first of all say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. We will go here or there. We will make money here. We will be here for a while. If it's God's will, he says, now apply that right away. You know now. Now, now you've been made aware. Maybe, maybe I went on with my life. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school here. I'm going to then go here and get a master's, and then I'm going to go work here. And it never occurred to me that I needed to consult God. But now you know. Therefore, if you don't do it, it's sin. So if I live my life for me, it's sin. If I don't live my life for Christ, it's sin. Sin isn't just doing terrible things. Sin is saying, I'm doing my own thing and I'm not living for Christ. I'm doing what I want, even if it's a good thing. That's what James is telling us. Don't procrastinate in surrendering your life to Jesus. Put following Jesus first in your priorities. We can all be very prone to putting off following Jesus, can't we? When we're young, we think that's for old people. When we get a little older, we think, once I get that job in Chicago, that's when I can serve Jesus. And when we get to Chicago, we think, well, I'm retiring in Houston. That's a Bible Belt. Great place to start following Jesus. Right? Eventually, we're going to run out of time. If we don't follow Jesus, what's the time to start following Jesus and make that first? Now. Now. As Charles Spurgeon said, I love the phrase, the main business of our life is to follow Jesus. Notice on your outline again, Jesus talks to somebody. He says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Boy, if James had... Weird answers. Jesus does his, has one up on him. <laughs> Older brother Jesus says, "What is it? Well, of course he's saying, you're going to follow me. I want you to know you might be sleeping in the open air. Okay. He said to another man, follow me. But this man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Sounds reasonable. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. Well, here's, here's the problem. We read that, we say, well, my father died, I need to go to the funeral. That's not what it's saying. He's saying, let me go back home and live with my family, and when my father dies, then I will follow you. That could be months, it could be years. That's why Jesus says, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Follow me now. And trust me, if your father dies, we'll go. Because Jesus went to a funeral. We see the example of several funerals he went to in his life. 
Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. His point, again, is just like the other one. Say goodbye to my family. We say, well, gee, I can't go and say bye and then kick off. It, it meant a lot more than that. It meant just like the other guy, let me bury my father, go until my father dies, let me say goodbye to my family. It could mean taking care of affairs that, again, could take weeks, it could take months, it could take years. The bottom lines are saying, I will follow you, but there's going to be a significant delay, Jesus. It has to be first in our priorities. I will follow you. You know, following Jesus and then saying, now, Jesus, help me take care of what I need to in my family is the better way, isn't it? Okay. Don't procrastinate. Little poem. I spend a fortune on a trampoline, a stationary bike and a rowing machine, complete with gadgets to read my pulse and gadgets to prove my progress results and others to show the miles I've charted, but they left out the gadget to get me started. (laughs) All those gadgets aren't gonna do you any good if you don't start, (laughs) right? What's the hardest part of getting in shape? Starting, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, okay. (laughs) So this is the first priority is to follow Jesus. Everything else needs to come after. Okay? So notice what, here's some guidance for this as we close our time. Uh, Romans 12:1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, to live in view, in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Surrender yourselves to God and live as a living sacrifice to God, okay? This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God's truth change the way you think. And it will change the way you think. If I'm being transformed by God's word, I'm going to say, following Jesus comes first. And then everything else follows afterwards. Okay, that's, that's the pattern of the renewing of our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Surrender. Now. Give in to God. Say, I'm going to live for him. If the Lord wills and I will be transformed, I will be able to determine what God's will is. Okay. Notice the word of God. Your word, Psalm 119, is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Step by step, I can walk in obedience to God. If as the Lord wills, and I know I've got his word open, and I'm walking step by step, it's a lamp. It's not a spotlight right? It's not like lighting up a a stadium. I've got a lamp that takes me step by step. Sometimes God shows us more. A lot of times he shows us step by step. I've got enough light for today and I've got enough light for tomorrow. But I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks. So if I say I'm moving to Chicago and then retiring to Houston, you don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And we see, we saw the Apostle Paul, his entire ministry was launched by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. And children of God are led by the Holy Spirit who guides them.
Deo Valente. Deo Valente. What does that mean? God willing. I want you to take that with you okay, as we leave here today. And remember, and don't just remember the words, remember what it means. Don't walk out of here and say, I'm going to go to school here. I'm going to go to grad school here. I'm going to work in Rochester for so long. I'm going to move to Chicago. And then after that, I'm going to retire to Houston. Okay. Say, if the Lord wills, God, show me the path. Walk, take me step by step. What should I do? How should I live? Because if all we're thinking about is going to school and going to Rochester and going to Chicago and going to Houston, we will neglect God's will. We will neglect the mission of God in our lives. That's why he has to be first, because your life does not belong to you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It is to be lived for him, right? And so we need to start. Start with God's will. We need to start and put first the mission of God in our lives. And as we move forward, he will guide us along the way and use us for his glory and his kingdom, not for our own kingdoms. Amen? Amen. I want to make sure of one thing before we leave here today. One of the things that's important to note is that this is written primarily to people who were followers of Jesus Christ. They, I mean, they were, James himself was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was Jesus' younger brother. But in the Gospels, he wasn't. When we see him in the Gospels, he didn't follow Jesus. He believed on his brother after the resurrection. Can you imagine? But have you believed on Jesus Christ? We were all separated from God because of sin. You know, it's sin, it says in James in, in verse 17, though, if we, if, we, if we know it's right and we don't do it, it's sin. And we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all dropped the ball. We've all missed the mark. Any other metaphors? The wheel's spinning, but the hamster's dead. I don't know. <laughs> oh, dear. We've all missed the mark. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. That's okay to acknowledge. We all will acknowledge that. I think nobody here claims to be perfect, I'm sure. But some of us might be closer than others. <laughs> but <clears throat> to really say, I know that separates me from God. I've sinned against a holy God who had a design for my life. And I messed it up. He had a design for the human race and we messed it up and went our own way. And in order to get back, we need Jesus. Jesus came as a rescuer. He came to get us. He came God from heaven to earth to die on the cross, to pay the penalty we deserve for, for, for sinning, and to open up a way for us to become children of God, to be saved and have a home in heaven that we can now live the rest of our life going toward. That's the good news, the gospel. Have you started following Jesus? We talked about making following Jesus first priority in our lives, but you start by receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord, saying, I'm not right with God. I need to be right with God, and I believe what Jesus did on the cross was for me, and I want to be a child of God. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we want to be the people that say Deo Valente, 
every day, every hour. We want that to be the refrain that we sing in our hearts, the words we speak on our lips and the actions that our hands and feet carry out. Help us to number our days so we can apply our hearts to wisdom. Help us to remember that this life is a tiny, tiny sliver of eternity. And we want to live this life in light of what happens forever. Don't let us make the foolish decision of choosing this tiny sliver of time over eternity. Give us, help us to face that reality of our mortality and receive Jesus as an eternal Savior that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting eternal life. And Lord, right now, all of us who follow Jesus, who know him, who are living in relationship, but we need to greater prioritize following, make it the first thing we do. Help us to put you first right today, Lord. Help us to make a few decisions, even at this time, that, that speak volumes that you are first. And doing business and moving to a city and going to school and pursuing a hobby and, and gaining a position. And these are all things that follow after we submit ourselves to you, to your will, to your leading, to your truth. I pray hearts will be moved as we have this time of prayer and worship. Draw us to you, Lord. Amen. We're going to have, we always have a closing song in that time of prayer. You're welcome to come for prayer at this time if you wish. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, whether it's to receive him for the first time or to start saying daily, God willing. <laughs>